Hello, folks, and welcome to the Modern Agile Show, episode 37. We are here with my good friend, Diana Larson. It's a pleasure to have you here. She is the co-founder and chief connector of the Agile Fluency Project. Yes. And a longtime friend. We've known each other for well over 20 years. Yes. Um, going way back to the Consultants Retreat and Network mm -hmm. back in Oregon. Yes. Coast of Oregon. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Since then, my God, you've done so much in the Agile field and uh, you are a real, you know, inspired leader. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. So we have a lot to talk about and we want yeah. to make this valuable to you. So we're going to yeah. focus on little gems of stuff that might be useful. Yeah. Why don't we start off with a story? Uh, the story. Oh, well, why don't we start with a story of uh, us working together? Okay, yeah. Like at the engineering design company. Yes. So the yeah. this is a great story. Uh, this was a retrospective that yes. we did way back in the day. It was maybe two thousand and three. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this it was hard to sell them on the retrospective. Remember that? Yes. Like they had never done an end of project retrospective before. Right. And. We had to twist arms and figure things out, and yeah. it was, um, they just didn't, the managers didn't think, they, they knew everything already. Oh, sure. There's like, what, what's there to learn from a retrospective? <laughs> but yeah. we managed to get it to happen. Right. And. Yeah, and this was pre, before Agile iterative retrospectives. This was the big end of project deal. Yeah, they had finally, well. It actually wasn't the end of the project, if you remember. It was when the project had been supposed to end, oh, yes. this was scheduled. But subsequently, the project had been extended another several weeks because right. they weren't really ready they to deliver. Were not ready. And we went ahead and did the retrospective yes. anyway yes. because they had plenty of history to look at. Yes. <laughs> at that point. Now and I'm remembering, this was 2002, in fact. Yeah. It was 2002 because it, it came right after 9 11 uh, yes. that, that started. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, long before your book, I'll plug your book here. <laughs> one, of the, one of her books, she has many books. This is the Agile Retrospectives book, co written with Esther Derby. Um, but long before this book came out. Long before that book came out. This book came out in 2006. So oh, yeah, this, okay. So our story is four years before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a magical thing because, yes. um, well, tell the story. Yeah, well, so as uh, I always did a little bit of research to find out for myself, interviewed a bunch of people to find out what had been going on and what kinds of things would make the most sense to focus on during the retrospective because that, Help to help to determine what the design should be. You know, yes. what kind of activities do we need to do to sort of unpack mm -hmm. some of these these things that have happened? Yeah. And uh, a number of things had happened. Uh, the The deadline had been extended a few times. I remember there was a great conversation with one of the leaders uh, about why they had even embarked on this idea of agile. And he uh, was saying, he was saying, you know, often our projects don't deliver on time. Right. And he was like acknowledging that as a reality, right? But he said, at least now that we've started working in this new way, I have noticed that it's not going to deliver on time. In yes. time to talk to my customers yes. and, and so on. Yes. So that was that was a really cool thing. They were, mm -hmm. he was eager to learn, not yes. so much everybody else, but yes. he, he was. 
And um, one of the events when we did the big timeline, the timeline we did an gorgeous. enormous it was timeline, it was floor to ceiling. I have photos of it still. It, yeah, it's it, huge. it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And people walked the timeline yeah. and made sense of it. Yes. And yeah. it was all colored. It was yeah. beautifully colored. Diana did an incredible job <laughs> of you know, having just different colors representing different things. So when you looked at the big giant wall, you yeah. could see, oh, here's where things were really tough. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it right. was brilliant. Well, and one of the things that that timeline illuminated was we, we um, because it was in the project, we had all the project members there and there were like 50 people on that team, oh, yeah. Yeah. including the four uh, leaders, manager, manager leaders. Yep. And, um, but we invited in some other folks who had been engaged along the way, like there we had a couple of representatives from HR, we yes. had somebody there from marketing and sales and so on. And um, one of the things that became apparent about the late delivery was how much it had been impacted by the fact that um, a few weeks before, HR had delivered to this four-person leadership team a 42-page per person mm -hmm. performance review yeah. document to yeah. fill out. And, and it had completely absorbed all of the time mm -hmm. of, a, of at least one of those leaders yeah. and some of the time of the other one. So yeah. it, it effectively took 30% of their leadership oh, yeah, away yeah. And, uh, in one fell swoop. Well, and my understanding, because at the yeah. time we were coaching them, I was coaching the teams, was yeah. that that wasn't new. That had been around. Oh, yes. That, that was their standard operating, yeah. And so there were numerous <laughs> managers who were just weighed down by it. We were trying to work with them, helping them to learn some agile things, helping them to you know, work yeah. on some uh, chartering, for yes, example, yes. where there were certain objectives we were trying to measure and they had no time for it. They had they had to because, do this. And they'd be like, I'm working on this 42-page thing for this person and that person and uh, many teammates. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah, it was hard. It was a big group. It was a cool group. I mean, they had a lot of cross-functionality. They had they documentation did. writers yes. and yes. Uh, all kinds of folks. There was some interesting pairing going oh, yeah. on. All yeah. that. All of that. people. Yes. Mm -hmm. All that showed up on the timeline. But this... <laughs> This enormous um, bolus trying to move through the system of these performance reviews was was just amazing. And once we had it up on the wall, and the HR folks got it, yeah, what the impact of what they had requested, and of course they were just they were locally optimizing. Right. That's how HR did its business. They yeah. had no sense that the requests that they delivered to the team mm -hmm. had any impact on ultimate customer delivery. Right. And so it was a huge uh, insight, insight for them. Yeah. And they were shocked. And they, I mean, I remember the one lady, her eyes were like, <laughs> it just got huge. It's like, oh my gosh, we did that. Oh, that's awesome. You yeah. know, it was, that was a, that was, that uh, was a good retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they almost didn't buy this thing, this retrospective, yeah. because they kept saying, oh, we know what the problems are. Yeah. Well, they didn't. No. And this was, yeah. it was an incredible thing. So, yeah. wonderful memory. And that, yeah. that, that kind of leads into you in your career, you know, really help people to learn. Yeah. I mean, this thing, Liftoff, this book, Liftoff, that you co-wrote with Ainsley, mm -hmm. um, 
is helping people, I think, learn how to get started working together? Yes. Is that what you'd say? That's, that's the idea. Well, it's, it, what we hope happens, uh, if, if, you know, well-designed, well-facilitated, uh, what we hope happens as a part of a liftoff or chartering is that um, f there is a tone set. Yes. That we are a group of people who are going to work together in such a way that we are continuously learning. Yes. And, and so, you know, one of the things we talk about with the charter here um, is, that, is that the charter is always in draft. Yes. So the, the initial is just to get that first draft done. Mm -hmm. And then after that, using retrospectives, using planning meetings, using all the other tools and, and uh, opportunities at people's um, that are available to yeah. teams yeah. to continue to refine it, to continue to learn yes. what needs to be refined about this. And mm -hmm. so that then the joke that Ainsley and I always say is that the that we don't actually really know what the charter is until like the day after delivery. <laughs> because because uh, up until yeah. then, it could still be morphing and changing in response to new things that are learned by the, that team as a system and right. by that whole product yes. development effort as a system yeah. um, is always, it's always learning new things. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's one of the bases of Agile. That's right? why I, I often yeah. say it's not the charter, it's chartering. It's chartering. It's an ongoing yeah. thing like refactoring. We don't yes. just have a phase for refactoring. Yeah. Chartering's the same way. We're constantly, yeah. you know, yeah. tweaking. I refactored it. yesterday. Oh, excellent. I, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I already refactored on this project. I know, right. I did that already. Yeah. So this is this yeah. is about learning continuously. Yeah. Agile retrospectives is about learning continuously. Yeah. And you wrote a book with your son. Yes. Um, I think it's called Five Rules for Accelerated Learning. Yes. It's an ebook. Yes. So we'll post a link to that. It's on LeanPub. Lean yeah. on LeanPub. Okay. Yeah. And. That's one of your passions, yes. is, and, and yeah. it is one of mine too. I think yeah. it's what connects us is, how can we help a person learn faster? Right. How can we ourselves learn right. faster instead well, of? How can we help a person learn faster? How can we help a team learn faster together? How can we help a department learn yeah. more about yeah. how to be effective as a whole group? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the, sy yeah. it's the systems, it keeps, it keeps right? Going. It's the learning systems, yes. yes. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's hugely impactful. So yeah. I don't know that book too well. Can yeah. You, can you give a? Sure. Um, that that book is um, it's very different from some of the uh, books that talk about how to do like good classroom training. Right. It has it has implications for that, mm -hmm. but but that's not where it stops. It yeah. really that book is really about how do you set up environments for learning. Uh, so whether that's in a classroom or in a workroom mm -hmm. workspace yes. or wherever that might be. Gotcha. Uh, earlier we were talking about where we were sitting and having coffee before we before before we did this this video and and the idea of, of clearing a space and having a pool of light yeah. helps people learn. If they're working there, if they can't see, right. Right, right. then how are they going to learn together? And so it's, it's keeping all of those things in mind. Yeah. So yeah. the five rules simply are um, keep it alive, mm -hmm. which has to do with understand we're always working with humans. Yes. And so learn something mm -hmm. about how humans learn. Pe they learn through play, they learn through emotion, emotional connection, they learn through relationships, they learn through their senses. So you said that timeline had all the colors on it? Yes. 
Yeah. For, <laughs> right? me, for me, I'm very, um, you know, yeah. I pay attention to color, and that, right. was, that was a great way for me right. to well, see and, and just, learn. Just the whole idea of visualizing work, yes. right, is a very, humans connect with that, and right? You, it's you, using our senses yeah. that, we, that we take in information. And we accelerate learning when we can visualize. Yes, yes. exactly. And so, so that's the first and foremost. Remember, we're working with humans, and humans have certain needs for yes. context yes. Uh, for their learning. Mm. Then the second one is setting first. Yes. So when you think about all the five rules together, how, you know, how can you create the optimal conditions? Mm. Now, and this is like in a classroom or Remote. in my home office if I'm just trying to manage my own learning oh. or, or, yeah, mm. at any, in, a, yeah. in a workspace, yeah. whatever it might be. How do mm -hmm. we set the conditions for wow. people to learn? Interesting. And, and that brings me back for a minute to an yeah. old book that heavily influenced me called How to Read a Book. Yes. By Mortimer yeah. Adler. And he talks, literally starts talking about chairs. Yes. And, and what kind of chair to sit in and how to sit in. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, because yeah. you're about to read. So it's, right. it's, it's very much well, that. And a lot of the Christopher Alexander patterns yes. Uh, yes. in a pattern language, mm -hmm. actually also uh, pools yeah. of light, different chairs. Yeah. Yeah. The people always learn better. And on, in the training room that we've set up at Agile Fluency Project HQ mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. Portland, um, I have different chairs. They aren't all the same kind of chairs yeah. around the conference tables. Yes. yes. So people can pick what mm -hmm. you know you want a chair that rolls you want a chair that's static you mm -hmm. want a chair that gives you a lot of back support sure. you want a chair that lets you move around we make sure that that's accommodated because it's setting first that's great i have another right. chair here by the way yeah. <laughs> now this one's good <laughs> um and so so that's important yes and uh, then the third rule is do it for real uh -huh. which is the one about building fluency ah. It is how do people become skilled as quickly as possible. Yes. And so as close as you can get to yeah. doing the thing that you're trying to learn yes. for real. Oh, I love it. You know, yeah. so astronauts into a swimming pool. Yes. Can't really put them out in space <laughs> for an extended period of time because they die. You can't practice that. But they can practice in their full suits in a swimming pool, which is as close to a weightless environment you know, or pilots and flight simulators, or you want to get as close as possible yeah. to using the real tools and the, the real resources and whatever is available. Hugely important. Which is why simulations are, yeah. are effective. Yes. As long as they are as close as possible to yes. doing the real thing. Yes. When, you know, I worry about people who put too much emphasis on games. Play is good. People yeah. learn through play. Right. But you don't want it too far removed yeah. Yeah. from the, you know, from the thing you're actually trying to learn. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and then the, the fourth one is start obvious, stay obvious. Okay. None of this obfuscating, you know, what it is you're trying to learn mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, the whole college professor, you got to dig it out of me. I'm not going to oh, tell God. you what it is you want to learn. Yeah. That that whole thing right. is not a good learning situation. Right. right. <laughs> it's a situation for um, saying how expert you are, <laughs> but it's not really a situation for helping anybody else learn. Yes. And then the last one is focus on flow, and oh. that is size and sequencing mm -hmm. the learning. Yes. So that you're getting what we call bite-sized pieces. Yes right that are easily consumable yes. and then you're ready for the next piece yeah so figuring out that that flow, that flow. of learning mm -hmm. right so yeah. focus on that flow so those are the five rules I and you it. can do those anywhere anytime yeah 
And we've got, you know, more stories and more kind of examples of that in the book. Mm -hmm. But it, it is a part of my yeah. continuing thread of, I think software, I mean, that's, that's, those are the people I love to work with, yeah. right? Are the software people, let's face it, software IT people. And I think that work is all about learning. It is, yes. You're, you're, learning, you're learning about your customer, you're learning about your teammates, you're learning about the unit tests, learn about the behavior of the code. Right. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's all learning. It's all learning all the time. Learning and about your teammates and, yes. and you know, what their needs are. And, and, that's what, and that's what enables continuous improvement. Right, right. You can't have continuous improvement if you're not learning about what's going on to begin with. Right. Right. And so that all kind of works together. It's interesting too, because I, 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 I guess some people get turned off in school. They, like, yes. they, they're not accelerated learning. They're not in an accelerated learning. They're just completely turned off. They're not inspired. Right. Because I've been thinking about this a lot lately because you know, the other day someone tweeted about how people just aren't writing unit tests. Yeah. And what's the managers don't know about them, don't know the importance of them. Yeah. The developers just aren't learning them. I'm like, what is it that, what, let's forget the unit tests for a minute and go backwards. What leads people to want to learn, yeah. to want to get better? Yeah. Like when I got into the software field, I knew I didn't know a lot and I yeah. knew I had to learn a lot. So I was constantly buying books and constantly right. learning. Right. And there was also joy in that because I'd come across like some code base that was beautifully written, like a piece of art. Yeah. And I would look at it and go, wow, that's really good software design yeah. there. I want to be able to do that. Right. But what, what was that in me? Where did that come from? Because like, I know I was in science class in middle yeah. in high school. I had a terrible teacher and I hated science because of that. Yeah. So is there something about the yeah. inspiration, yeah. like right. getting inspired? Yeah, oh, I think there is that. And there's also, you know, if, if you're ever around babies and toddlers. Which you, I have been. You, yes. <laughs> you, you know Humans are born little learning machines. Oh my God! Yes, I so mean, they put stuff in their mouth and spit yeah, it out. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, what if I what if I take this and drop it on the floor? What hap What does mommy do then? Right. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. How do I learn little? You know, what? Who? Somebody wrote a book called uh, Baby Scientists or mm -hmm. something. All the experiments that they're running all the time Her, and, well, that's and learning the patterns. Right. I remember my oldest daughter when she was first born. She would she would like cry out. Meh. And then she'd open an eye to see if anyone was coming. <laughs> she was testing. Testing, that. testing, yeah. So, so somewhere along the line, if you know, if we are born into a nurturing environment where we are getting our physical needs met yes. as, as small children, so yes. our brains can grow and so on. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's all that. But as if that is happening, mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, that learning impulse gets chopped. Yes. And, um, you know, I have speculations about where that happens and how that happens mm -hmm. and the, the institutions that we have set up to cause that to happen that I probably don't want to talk about here. But, um, but you know, that's what happens to those folks. Yeah. And, and the whole, and uh, uh, Alfie Cohn and Carol Dweck and all the work that they've done mm -hmm. around intrinsic rewards and extrinsic rewards oh, yeah. and how extrinsic rewards absolutely destroy. destroy your, that love of learning that we are all born with. 
I feel so fortunate that I've been able to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and I love meeting people who like to play at work because I know that means they've probably held on to that love of learning. Yes, yes. Right? But this is, a, this is an issue for user groups. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how many organizations I go into and I'm talking with the development team members and I say, how many of you go to your local user group meetings? Oh, yeah, they don't. And, you know, if two hands go up, I'm kind of shocked at this point. I mean, early on, I expected, oh, everybody's going to want to be out there learning. But, you know, people have lives. Yes. They may have children at home. They mm-hmm. may have other kinds of hobbies. And yeah, yeah. So all, you know, managing a life mm-hmm. is, a, is a thing yes. as well. Yes. But, um, but, yeah, I think learning is so critically important that I just... And then for leaders yes. to create situations where people can learn. It seems to me that's one of their primary jobs. So we were talking about... Uh, the problems in in organizations where yeah. people don't learn from each other right and they they're in silos right you told a story um when we were chatting before oh, about yeah. um a place you went into where you you were playing the agile fluency game yeah and something amazing happened yeah you want to tell that story sure every so often i will get a request to uh for a leadership retreat or one kind of a event or another to bring the agile fluency game as a as a part of a kind of an organizing principle for that event and so this is an organization where um, I had done some previous work and we had talked about the agile fluency model and the game and and some time had passed and I got the, a call that said um, could you come in and bring the game we're going to have a leadership retreat we're going to bring together all the leaders that um, have to do with the building and delivering of our software. And the selling. And the selling, yes. And, and marketing. Mar- all of that. Everything. Everything. All okay. of that. Excellent. So it was the engineering leaders, managers, and director and vice president, and the um, the QA folks, the uh, te- the, the QA, UX folks were there, customer support, sales, and marketing. And, oh, and product management. So that's of course. deeply cross-functional. Deeply cross-functional. Leadership group. level people. All is? leadership or? level. Okay. Yeah. And we played the game. And we played the game. We had five or six tables of mm-hmm. people playing the game. Wonderful. And uh, and we made each sure that each table was cross-functional right. as well. Yes. And um, so they played the game. They lost. Everybody does the first time. So uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a it's a simulated software project. Two and a half years of a software project. So you can you can right you every can, every round is a quarter. It's a it's a yeah. Euro style game like yeah. a Settlers of Catan or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. And uh, so there's ten rounds. Every round is a quarter. Okay. Uh, or a season. So they lost they at first when you say. And how oh, many, yeah. how oh, many quarters Oh, oh did they, they often, m- most folks go uh, lose within the first year okay. so of, the, first year of year. the project. So then yeah. you retrospected. Yeah, that. because they've, they've tied themselves up at so much maintenance <laughs> that they can't continue. <laughs> so, um, so the maintenance of the software. Yeah, um, yeah. So then we do a debrief. We do a retrospective on mm-hmm. what happened and what choices did you make and how, well, how do you think those choices led to mm. what you, and how much is that like what you currently do in your software project? 
<laughs> Which is, that's always a fun conversation. Anyway, and so then, then we say, well, so what, what do you think you could have done differently, mm. right? And we talk about that. And then we get a little chance to plan. Uh -huh. They're going to plan it again. Play it again. And they can plan a little while, and then they play it again. And then, in general, they do much better. Do better. Yeah, do much better. And... Um, and so then we talk about why did that happen? We retrospect, we on, retrospect that. on that, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so then at the end, then they had some other work that they needed to go do together after that. So uh, my part was done, and I just said, well, let's just go quickly around and tell me what you're going to take away from this experience. Yeah. And um, we went around to everybody. I won't. I don't remember what everybody said, but the one really memorable one was the vice president of sales mm. who said, well, you know, I came in skeptical that this was going to be, you know, useful to me and, um, and I'm still, you know, I'm still not absolutely sure, but I wish there was a game like this that would help me explain sales to the rest of you. <laughs> and I thought, yes, this game has done its job. <laughs> But then one of the other managers, one of the engineering managers who led a couple of the teams that was like on one of their flagship products uh, said, I really would like to understand your job better. Mm. Can we set aside a time to go have coffee together? Mm. Wonderful. And yes, and it's like, yeah, then I do feel like, okay, my work here is done. <laughs> And he agreed. And he agreed. Okay. And yeah. And then yeah. Then so connected. Life went on. Yeah. Yeah. You, you Conway's yeah. law, right? Uh, Absolutely. Getting people to actually who are in silos almost to talk to each other. To talk to each other and making those op those opportunities in organizations to get the whole system in a room. I mean, one of the other learning things I love is open space oh, events. Oh yes. Right. And, and you're a, Diana's an absolute master. <laughs> Of open space, I'm serious. I, I, I have never seen anyone open an open space the way you do, and it's it's really incredible. Thank you, thank you. But and that's why I love it because I see so much learning going on there. And but those kinds of events, whether it's playing a game together or going to an open space together, or but work focused. Yes. You know, not yes. just so. I mean, social events are important. We need to know people mm -hmm. outside of work as well. Yeah. But. Work-focused cross-system events. Mm -hmm. um, Heidi yeah. talks about this with dynamic reteaming. Yes. I think the reason that works is that they have these frequent all-company open spaces, yes. so people can stay up to speed. Oh yes, yes. Um, on you know what's going on, and yeah. and it makes all the difference. They at her new look, uh, job, she they have a get-to-know-you lunch. Yeah. Which is money they'll give you to get to know someone who you don't know and have lunch with them. They'll literally give you money to do this. Right. Because they're fighting that tendency of organizations to become siloed. Right. Not know who, not know each well, other. Well, humans, you know, we do tend to tribalize. Yes. We tend to find our our folks yes. and want to stick with our folks, yeah. you know, because it's familiar and for a lot of reasons. And, and there are learning. times when you want that to happen. Right. But also, if you spend too much time in your comfort zone, yeah. you, that's not where learning happens. That's right. Learning happens out here on the edge of your <laughs> comfort zone, right? Right. right. And you have, to, you have to also have those things that cause you to sort of step into the unfamiliar, step into the a little bit discomfortable, not so much that you get paralyzed by fear. Mm -hmm. There's, a, there's yeah. a, a balance in there. Yes. Um, but... 
but finding that right balance to give people some experiences. I mean, a simulation, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. that, that, is a, that is a good example of a thing that can kind of take, it's kind of a safe to fail, right? right? You right. play this game, it's safe to fail at mm -hmm. this game, yeah. right? Yeah. But you also can get some learning because you're trying something new and you don't really, yeah. a lot of the people who played that game, or every time it happens, that instance and all the others, don't know all the terms, what the practices are, right. and and so it gives them an opportunity to start ha putting some context yeah. around terms like refactoring or TDD or whatever. Oh yeah. That the that the engineering teams may be throwing around willy nilly, but nobody you know it's just jargon to everybody else. So how do you begin to create some of that common common language? Yes. You yes. have to step into the space where you can admit that you don't know. Right. Before you can, before you can learn. Yeah. So the conscious incompetence kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So learning is like the. It's the, what did you call it? The through line. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's basically yeah. in everything you do. Yeah. I think you're really a, very talented at the models mm -hmm. around helping people learn, mm -hmm. and that's um, very valuable in in today's world where we see a few too many recipes. Yeah agile recipes coming down from on high or, yeah. or frameworks and things where you're just trying to follow yeah. a framework yeah where learning is really the key to agility isn't it right i think it is yeah. i think it is and i think things like what we're doing at the agile fluency project which is you know trying to illuminate the ways you can be successful at agile that are specifically fit to different kinds of business needs yes and the kinds of things that you're doing with modern agile and the quick Easy grace. Quick, quick, easy grace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those things, they, they are complementary. Totally. They, they are mutually supportive. And there's a few other, other uh, streams of thought that people yeah. are contributing in the Agile world right mm -hmm. now that, uh, that are similar to that. Where, Absolutely. where it's complementary and it is supporting people in learning yeah. from different, different dimensions, different aspects of that. And you have a new ebook out on the Agile Fluency? Yes, on our, on our website, agilefluency.org. Okay, that's uh, right. People can go there and download a free ebook. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually the uh, white paper that's on Martin Fowler's site. Oh, nice, but I remember that. Yeah. But it's organized and it's, and it's formatted in such a way that it's easier to read on a phone or oh, a yeah. mobile device and mm. it's just, it, it reads more like a book. It's, you know, it's divided yeah. up better and, and stuff. Wonderful. Okay, yeah. well, we better close it up here, but uh, yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to you. We could probably go on for another hour at <laughs> least. <laughs> at least. Um, but uh, yeah. I really appreciate you yeah. coming. And uh, please find out more about Diana yeah. Larson and all the great work she's been doing um, with Agile Fluency yeah. and her books. Uh, great, great, great stuff that we really need in this world. So. Thanks for watching the show. If you enjoyed it, please share it with others yeah. and we'll be back for more. Thanks again for coming.